Hi there, and welcome to the Curious Collective podcast, conversations designed for the conscious community to bring awareness to those holistic practices that help us live our best life. So tap into the wisdom and knowledge of our guests to heal, transform, and live as your true soulful self. Today with us, we have the beautiful Dina Ricker that's coming all the way from the US of A. We met each other through Healy, actually, and then developed a friendship through commonality, uh, as you do. So uh, regard Dina as one of my true soul sisters and welcome into this space, beautiful. Thank you, Katie, for having me. Yes, a very beautiful synchronicity of how we met and how we're teammates and how we're soul sisters and helping with the expansion of this planet and the consciousness. Mm, and we did chat just before we got online and we're like, let's just let it flow. And that's what we do is like, there was no plan around today's podcast. We're just going to hear beautiful Dina's wisdom straight through my questioning. So my first question to you is, what is it in this life that makes your heart sing? What makes my heart sing? Freedom fighting. Like I think I've, I've I had lifetimes as a warrior and I'll pull some astrology in. This will sound like Greek to anybody who's not into astrology, but for those who are, I have an Aries moon, right? And my teacher taught us that like, the moon is your PhD. Wherever your moon is in your chart, it's like you've had lifetimes in that energy. And so Aries is the, the masculine. It's ruled by Mars. It's the warrior. It's the first sign of the zodiac charging in, you know, to take care of things. We don't always um, think before we act. <laughs> but I've always been a freedom fighter. And I, re I just was thinking about this earlier, going into New York City with my family to see the St. Patrick's Day Parade. And we were walking on some street and back in the mid seventies, New York City was not an easy place to be. It was pretty rough. And there was a man who probably had cerebral palsy. I'm not quite sure, but he he was having trouble moving around and these young punks were kind of jostling him, just messing with him. Mm. And my father ran right up there and like, you know, was ready to like battle these guys. And I remember running in with an umbrella and I was like poking at them. Like, I'm going to like get these bad guys out of here. Like, yeah. how could you treat somebody like that? Yeah. So, you know, the warrior of, of wanting people to be seen and valued and to remember their soul essence. Yeah, I love that. I love that so yeah. much. And the work that you're doing now uh, in the present day, how did you get to be doing this line of work? Like, where was your starting point and what has sort of happened along the journey? God, it's been so much... My mom's mom is from the Yucatan, like where Chichen Itza is, the, the Mayan temple and the ruins. Like she was from Merida, which is a city right in that area. And um, very holistic, wound up in the States as a young girl and ended up staying and marrying my grandfather. But she didn't deal with Western medicine. Mm. Her ways were always like, if you didn't feel well and you felt like a cold coming on, a hot lemonade simmered, put some honey in there, drink it. Um, she just didn't do modern medicine. So I always thought that was really interesting. Mm. and my mom was more like you know she took us to the doctors and I would get like antibiotics if I had strep throat and all that and I think by the time I, I got to become a teenager I started to really look at like what my grandmother her ways of got you know dealing with the body yeah and I just I went I didn't go into massage until I was 40 I was managing a candy store in Northern California and I remember this thought in my head and here's how spirit comes in just like us winging this podcast where we mm. didn't have an agenda let spirit flow. I heard this thought in my head. I wonder if they're doing a massage class in Mount Shasta because I lived on the south side of that very sacred mountain that's considered mm. the root chakra of Mount of the planet. Um, 
and I had taken a Reiki course in Mount Shasta a few years before. So I had this thought pop out of my head out of nowhere. But prior to that, my whole life, I thought anybody who did massage must be insane. Wouldn't your hands and arms kill you? I would never, I would never do that. <laughs> and this thought comes in and I'm like, hmm, let me check. And this was on a Wednesday, that Saturday, they were, they were doing registration for oh, like no a three months. Yeah. So I jumped in and um, that's how the massage started. But like two years before that, I started, or three years before I started, um, I got my Reiki certification in Usui, levels one and two. So it was a lot to do with my grandmother. Mm. And it mm-hmm. was that bringing that in now, being able to have the contact with the bodies and the people coming in for massage, which ended up probably being a whole lot more. It was a lot more. But before that, like after I had my um, level one and we were taught that you could do distance Reiki. My father had prostate cancer and he had it in the very early stages. Thankfully he was checked every year and they caught it in the beginning. Um, And he opted to have radiation seeds implanted, which for three months would kill any cancer cells. But after they dissipated, that's it. If there's more cancer, then they'll deal with it in another way. Mm -hmm. And the PSA, the reading for the cancer in the blood kept rising, right? So when they found it, it was like a 0.9. And now, uh, you know, a year after the radiation seeds, have done their job. It's a 1.4. Now it's a 2.1. And they wanted to do hormone replacement like mm-hmm. months down the road. And I said, Oh dad, don't do that. I can do this long distance frequency healing on you, you know, with my hands and with a picture of you, I can intend for you. How do you feel about that? And he's like, Oh, I totally believe in that. Mm-hmm. So for 21 days, I used oh, a dad. teddy bear. 21. Yeah. That was my, our, our Reiki master said 21 days at the same time, if you can, is really powerfully in- intentional. Do that. I had a teddy bear. I had a picture of my dad and I had Barbara Brennan's book. Uh, is it hands of light? I think it's called. Mm. And I was testing with a pendulum, how the chakras were running or how they opening or they weren't. And I did this session with him. This, so this is before the massage for 21 days. And he said two of those nights, it was about midnight on the East coast of the U S cause I was in Mount Shasta. He woke up and he said, I felt this warming sensation in my prostate and I knew you were working on me. Um, so now he came back, he had gone to the doctor again, they tested the blood, it was like a, a 2.4 and it was climbing and they wanted to do the hormone replacement in like another month. This was in July, he came to see me and I did two physical treatments on him. He fell asleep both times. He's like, oh wow, the heat coming from your hands was like so relaxing. Mm-hmm. He went to the doctor, now he hadn't had any treatment in a year and a half and the PSA kept rising, the, the levels, right? It was so wild. The nurse said, well, you know, call on, we'll call on Friday and we'll have your results by the end of the day. That nurse phoned the house at noon on Friday. And she, she said there was a, the reading was a 0.01 and they had no explanations. I was like, oh, I really love that. We both knew what it was. It was like the, you know, the frequency, the intention, the belief, Mm. the love. I have just finished a book, The History of Vibrational Medicine, and it talks into this exact thing. And yeah, I love hearing it from a first-hand trusted source that, you know, this this can be done. And, and, and intention is everything. Like if you wanted to just talk a little bit into intention around your knowledge of it, just for the listeners, that would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, the more I get into like, you know, the frequency of Dr. Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton and all these beautiful teachers that are on the planet showing us how much focus and intention, you know, it's, it sounds cliche now, but like, you know, what is it? Energy flows where attention goes. So what you're Mm -hmm. focused on, it's going to go there. This is a, this is a simulated, we're in a simulation. 
we are, and they've proven that with quantum physics, we are in a freaking matrix. I don't care how woo crazy that sounds. Three quantum physicists won the Nobel Peace Prize in October for their work on quantum entanglement and their mm. research. Yeah. Right? So anybody that says, oh, <laughs> this is all, you know, like the Healy, especially because Marcus Schmieke's work, everything's connected to the one. So that whole cliche phrase, we're all one. We are all one. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And the Absolutely. power behind that, if we are the energy that creates worlds, we're an offshoot of that. Our intention and our focus has got to go somewhere, right? So wouldn't it be better to have it go to where you want than to, by default, create stuff out of panic and fear? Like we, mm -hmm. I think we all know what that feels like and it doesn't feel good. No, not at all. I know what I choose. Yeah. And mm -hmm. every morning now, I mean, I'm doing this for like a little over 13 months now, Dr. Joe's videos, and I am, I have a lot in my astrological makeup, but I have Gemini. A lot of Gemini, my son is there. I'm very like, I could be quick speech. I move fast. So for me getting up to meditate, I'm like, who has time for that? I have a coffee pot to make. My feet are hitting the ground. I don't have time to sit there. But there's also that that quote too. If you, if you don't have time to sit for 20 minutes, do a meditation, do an hour. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and so I've worked my way up from like 10 minute meditations on YouTube too. I can sit for an hour now if I need yes, to. But so every good. morning, I don't, if I get out of bed just to use the toilet or brush my teeth, I go right back in while I'm still in that almost theta state and I'll go into a meditation to set the energy for my day. Yeah, perfect. And this mm -hmm. um, beautiful esoteric work and all the exploring that you've done over the years, I, I think you told me it started at a really young age. Um, can you speak into sort of that for us? Yeah, I remember looking in the mirror when I was a young girl in the in the bathroom off the kitchen and staring at myself and I was just looking into my eyes and I heard this, you know how you have a thought in your head? If you've had this experience or if anybody's had this experience where there's a thought in your mind, but you know, it's not yours. Like you don't even think like that. Like it's not something like, you know, Katie would think or Dina, like I would think. I heard this voice as I'm staring at myself going, I know that you're Dina, but who are you really? Oh. Yeah, I was three. And I was like looking at myself and I went, wow, who is that? Mm -hmm. You know, or years later going into the hospital when we back in the day we weren't allowed to go up and visit somebody sick if you were under 12 so you have germs you can't come in mm. so my mom would leave me downstairs in the waiting room or something and i remember the clinical smell of the hospital mm. you know and going Gross. smelling it and thinking i heard this voice in my head wow look at the technology look how far they've come and i'd be thinking who the hell is that yeah fast forward in my 20s i have well i had a flashback when I was 13 and I watched Gone with the Wind of being a triage nurse during the Civil War. But then I didn't know what the why I got so freaked out watching the scene. If anybody's ever seen that movie during the American Civil War, you know, in the 1860s, there was no medication. They mm -hmm. might give you laudanum to kind of like help you pass out or alcohol. But, you know, they're sawing men's legs off and arms off because they're getting blown off and you're biting on a, a strap. Yeah, they took Scarlett, the main character, to give her a little dose of reality into this field hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. And I flipped out and I went running out of the room. And my mom's like, what's the matter? I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I had a memory of it like years yeah. later, you I've know, goosebumps over my whole body. Yeah. Being fascinated in the hospital, like, wow, look how far they've come, you know, mm. but not realizing in that lifetime, feeling like I didn't do enough. Right. But then realizing after the fact that just by holding a soldier's hand, how much good that incarnation did for people you know in in that other lifetime just being there and, and doing what you could you know it's just like giving somebody a smile on the street you don't know how much is your smile to that stranger going to affect them it could really make their day 
Yeah, absolutely. I was just talking to someone about that yesterday, being that beaming light just because. No agenda, just because. Just because, exactly. So that, you know, it all ties into the healing and the mystical stuff. I mean, I have a Scorpio ascendant at zero degree. It's really powerful. All my Gemini is in the eighth house, which is Scorpio's house. And that house has to do with like death, rebirth, deep transformational lifetime, deep mm-hmm. um, sex, intimacy, uh, joint real estate, inheritance, other people's money, like all these things have always been like a, a very big part of my life. You know, and, like there's and, always one, what is it? there's always one in every family that nobody understands, you know, I don't know <laughs> if I would call myself the black sheep, but you know. Your astrological knowledge blows my mind, like completely. You just talk about it like it, like normal English. It just streams out of you. It's like foreign it's to me. I understand little snippets of it. But so what? at what age did you sort of weave this into your existence to sort of use it as a bit of a guide or a framework for yourself? Probably more in my 20s, I think, like when I had children. I mean, I was always into it. All my books, like the first chapter book I ever read was on the Salem witchcraft trials when I was in second grade. I remember taking the books out from the library in school, Salem witchcraft trials. And then I went to Salem years later with my former husband and just had this like intense experience in the witch museum where on the floor were the names in a circle, kind of like a spiral, like a labyrinth of all the people that were hung and one man was pressed to death for witchcraft in that village. And oh, I got so weepy. Like there's just so many stories I could tell you, but I was just kind of sucked back into it, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Trippy. And that linked you into learning all about planetary alignments and your, your houses and things like that. Yeah. I just was always into it. Just the esoteric, the eighth house is, is the esoteric knowledge. And, um, yeah, my chart's kind of mystical. I have Neptune in the first house, and and, and Neptune is it, it it rules Pisces, so it's the collective unconscious. It's the dreamer, you know, on its positive level. It's the rose-colored glasses. We're going to heal everybody. Let's do this. And then on the on the flip side, it's um insane asylums and drug addiction and alcoholism and let's escape from reality. You know, yeah, everything yep. has a, a you know a a shadow and a light side of it. So yeah, interesting it's interesting when people. I've always been that way. Yes, I love that for you. I, it's super interesting when people get curious about it and explore it because it may help to explain some of the patterns that people have been stuck in throughout their life where they're like, why does do I, do I keep doing this? Exactly. And you know what I've done with the Healy? I've taken the Healy and I did it for a girlfriend. It was amazing. Um, basically taking a natal chart from the person. So you have to have your birth time because each sign has um, 30 degrees or 29 degrees in each house. And the rising sign is the sign of the Zodiac that was coming up over the horizon at the time of your birth. doesn't matter if you're born at midnight or 3 AM. doesn't matter. It's, it's there. And it changes a degree every four minutes is kind of critical. Right. Yeah. So I would take the natal chart or a composite chart of two people, right. Souls like a karmic relationship and use that as the photo for the aura scan. Ooh right? Use that. And then we scan. And I did it for a girlfriend and it was mind blowing because what came up for her and a friend was really uh, like, I let her read it and she's like, wow, that's like so spot on. There's a lot of like, a lot of energy going back and forth between these two friends all the time. And I'm like, this is so karmic. And then I could see Mm -hmm. it in the chart when I ran their chart together, but the Healy brought it up and then we cleared stuff, right? We cleared it. Um, and there was like a little bit of a reconciliation a few days later. Oh, wow. And there had been no, no contact for months. And she asked me, do you think it was a frequencies? I'm like, oh uh, yeah. 
we know yeah <laughs> oh what a cool idea to combine the two what made you think to do that I don't know because I love astrology and I've seen my own aura scan so I'm like let's do that so I do readings with people if anybody's interested they can reach out to me I think it's fascinating mm, absolutely and um, perhaps people that haven't explored that astrological side to things but they're into say the chakras and auras and things like that to, to bring the two together to get that deeper level of um, you know energy subtle energy what's going on in there how can I explore this how can I get curious about it I love that yeah, because there's so much that we're here to do, you know, I mean, I did a video on my TikTok channel today. I'm like, who knows why they're here? Not like to your nine to five, like you got to put food on the table, but what lights you up? That's your soul mission. You and know, why do don't people ask that question? That's what gets me is like, why wouldn't you want to know what lights you up? You know, why do you want to be like society wants you to be? Why don't you getting curious about what it is that you actually want to be and what you actually want to do? You, you know, it's conditioning and programming, right? And all the great teachers of the times today speak about that it is a subconscious. So when I go to sleep at night, I put on Reality Revolution is a great channel on YouTube. Brian Scott is a narrator. And there's so many great videos, but they have like long eight and 10 hour playlists. One is for um, everything is always working out for me or everything is always working to my advantage. And in the beginning, maybe for the first 10 to 15 minutes, he talks to you and he's getting you to a relaxation state where maybe you're like, even at some point, like focusing on every muscle in the body and like mm. tightening it for like, you know, as long as it feels a little bit uncomfortable and then releasing it and relaxing. And he talks you down into a sleep state. And then the sentence or, you know, the sentences that he's speaking to help rewire your brain. Everything's always working out for my advantage. Things are coming to me easily and always will. And it's just, you sleep with that to rewire the programming that's stopping us from asking, what is it that lights me up? Oh, I love that. And you know I, what? You could even make your own after you've listened to it for a while and put some yeah, of your you favorite can. tracks behind it and some of your own affirmations and, and mantras and things. Oh, yeah, I love that. I know. I just, I'm not very techie, so I need to find like an app or something where my voice would loop, where I could just, you know, because I could speak the sentence maybe a few times, but how to get a looper so it's looping all night. Yeah, absolutely. And with some solfeggios behind it. Mm, powerful. Hey, tech people listening to this, connect in with Dana and I and make us one of these. <laughs> yes, that would please. be amazing. This is a business opportunity in itself. Um, but yeah, I love that. My beautiful time waiver practitioner that I work with, Jazz, she actually does time waiver frequencies with this sort of subconscious uh, reprogram messaging and the and the sofeggi I can't say that word ever um, uh, tunes with it so yeah I that's definitely something we can explore more and tap into and maybe get her on as a guest but um, yeah so this guy will put the information did you say Brian Scott yeah Brian Scott is the name of the man that narrates all these videos um what is the name of the man? I'm trying to remember the name of the man who, who's, oh, uh, there's a man like in the 1930s that brought together all these teachings. He brought them forth. Neville Goddard, Neville mm -hmm. Goddard was his name. And so it's Neville Goddard's books that he did and his like discourses that Brian Scott started. I guess he started the channel with that a few years ago. I've been listening to him for a few years, but now he does podcasts and he's got so many different playlists on there. Reality Revolution. It's phenomenal. It's great when you find something that really works for you and that you're really drawn to. So thank you so much for sharing that with us and the listeners. We'll definitely put that in the comments. Now you yeah. were talking to me also about work that you've done, say, and I know it was in within one of your houses, but to do with the death. 
Yeah, I mean, as the that's another thing with with Scorpio too. Pluto rules Scorpio. It's you know Pluto and Mars co-rulers, but Pluto is all about like the um, archetype of Persephone. If anybody knows the story of Persephone, Demeter, the goddess, was her mother, and Persephone was her entire world. She loved her daughter, and Persephone was out picking flowers one day, I guess in the spring, and Hades came upon her from the underworld and fell in love with her and grabbed her and kidnapped her and took her down into the underworld. And Demeter was searching high and low. And when she found out where she, her daughter had been taken to, she just was heartbroken. And so that's why we have fall and winter because before that, everything was kind of like subtropical all the time. And this is the story goes about the seasons that Demeter was just heartbroken. And so she, she like just stopped everything from growing. And she made a bargain with, with Hades that if he would bring Persephone back up six months out of the year, then then we have spring and summer. Oh, wow. Right? So when she goes back, we have fall and winter. And so it's the archetype of Pluto, like going into the underworld. And if you think about like Hermes or Mercury, the winged messenger of the gods, he was the only one that could go into the underworld and come back unscathed. Like it didn't burn him. Nothing happened to him. He could bring messages back and forth. And that's that's Pluto's medicine bag. And it's got to do with death. I had a friend that died um, in second grade of a tonsillectomy. And I'm still not sure how the rumor mill got around to us as children, but we were told, we heard that he had told his mother he was afraid to have the surgery that he was going to die. And of course she assured him, no, you'll be fine. And he oh, should have wow. been. Even in 1972, when this happened, tonsillectomies were pretty common. Mm. Um, and he didn't, he didn't survive. He died. And I remember leaving my friend's um, swimming pool party in like September to go to this young boy's funeral. Yeah. You know? And it just spiraled every year. There was like three deaths or four deaths. I grew up in a village of maybe 3,500 people, a very tight knit community. And it just seems to me that Sag Harbor, my hometown has so many deaths every year. And like, mm. maybe that's the same for every village. I don't know, but I feel like we have more than our fair share. And I was just, just got used to it happening, but not used to it where I took it for granted. Like it really made me love the people that I was around because what I realized was death doesn't discriminate whether you're two days old well, you're 92. Mm. You'd be gone at any time. Nobody's guaranteed a certain amount of time on this planet and make the most of it. You came here to live and love, right? So do that. Mm. Do that. And if you find yourself in a downward spiral or a place where you're unable to, to get in contact with that, search and connect with people to bring that into your life and to look for ways to spark that again or ignite that again within yourself exactly because there's always somebody that has a gift that we don't have right i mean that's the beauty of being human and being on this planet with eight billion people it's not comparing ourselves to somebody else but somebody else always has like something that could complement us so why not learn from them and then share whatever gifts you have mm. oh i love that last part is you know as you learn as you go through it you know to grow through it then you know embodying that for yourself and then teaching it to those that come to you you know, that I think that's important. Yeah. We don't want to hold on to something that could be a medicine for others um, through ego or whatever that may be, or, or self-doubt. Absolutely. And I had gone through training. I just found my paperwork the other day and I threw it out. I'm like, I don't need to save all these papers because we're getting ready to sell the family home and I'll be moving. And I don't want to schlep all these things that I'm not using. But it was from the death doula course. I got certified as an end of life death doula. 
And I was going to go into the field and it turns out I didn't, what I didn't realize at the time, but that was setting me up, even though I've had all these deaths in my life to be able to care for it and know the signs and all that when my parents would die, I would be there mm -hmm. holding space for them as they took their final breath, you know, and it's mind blowing, you know, how the universe works. You think, you know, something, but you're not really sure how it's going to unfold and it's all divine. Yeah. And for those that don't really know what a death doula is, are you able to talk a little bit more into that? Yeah, it's somebody's like a midwife, you know, so a midwife like brings a new life into the planet, right? You're bringing a baby, helping to birth so that the baby's safe. It's just, it's it's like birth in reverse. Mm -hmm. You're being with the person as they're dying, helping the physical, keeping their mouth, you know, moist, tending to the body, holding space for the family, putting on music, maybe reading something that the loved one, having pictures around that would make the dying person comfortable, you know, just quietness and candles and just making it very sacred because they are, they are leaving, you know? And, um, for my dad, he was really ready to go. Like he checked out because his physical body, he wasn't able to like move. They put him in a wheelchair one day. Um, he had 10 years of dementia and at the last nine days or so, it's like the brain really got calcified. So he didn't know what to do with the utensils. He didn't know what clothing was for. And then by the following week, and I was in California, I had four years of being here I was exhausted so I went back yeah. to California um my sister-in-law called on the last day that he was semi-conscious they had him on comfort care I called and I spoke to him on the phone and she said his mouth went up and his eyebrows went up oh, and then after yes. I hung because he knew it was me and I asked him to wait I said wait for us I know that there's family on the other side calling you home but we really need you to wait till we get there and um my oldest daughter and her husband and I flew home like 17 hours before he passed. Mm. And this is how powerful the spirit is. My oldest daughter is the oldest grandchild and his first grandchild um, on, on both sides of the family. And she was born on 12, 17. So December 17th. And he took his final breath at 12, 17. Ooh. You want to talk about intentional? That was intentional. Mm. It was so beautiful. It was such a testament. And she wasn't his favorite. I mean, he loved all his grandchildren. He had four of them, but she was the first pumpkin. He'll call them my pumpkins. You oh, know? I love that. Yes. Oh and my then God, when my mom just passed, so much emotion through my body. <laughs> oh God, it was incredible. We were all here. My dad was a radio personality. So he had this big booming voice. And mm. when a person passes that final breath, they take like all the airs coming out of the lungs. They call it a death rattle. It makes this like a rattle. And it was the deepest, most exquisite sound I have ever heard from my father. And I went, there it goes. There goes that voice, you know? Woo. Beautiful. Yep. I know it's so beautiful. I mean, I have so many videos of him and I'm so grateful because I can hear his voice, you know? Yeah. That's what's special to you. Yeah. So special. Oh, so what, no, that's that, a death holding space. You can go into the field and work with other families. But after that, I was like, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe well, at it, some point, I, but not now. Would take such depth of compassion and understanding to remain in that space and uh, be able to hold that for others through a grief process. Yeah, because you have to understand the family's really grieving and depending what they're, and you know, you can't put your belief systems on them. So for me, like I used to talk to my dad before and when he was still pretty conscious, even with the dementia, the medication he was on for 10 years, he really held his own for like mm -hmm. until the end. And we would be watching YouTube videos and I know you've seen them, Katie, like you'll have some beautiful like solfeggio frequencies with like a uh, visionary artwork in the background with nebulas and all that. And I'm like, dad, I go, when you're ready to go, like you can just release the body because he's a double Pisces, Pisces mm. sun, Pisces rising. So his speed walking, that, well, that was his thing when he was younger and how ironic that the dementia would rob the, the brain of the ability to walk properly. Mm. Um, you know, I'm like, you could just go look at that. And he's like, 
you want me to leave? And I'm like, no, I don't want you to leave, but I don't want you to be in a failing body either. You know? So when yeah. you're ready, you can make a conscious choice to go. I go, you're going to be like that. He goes, you think so? I go, oh yeah, look at that. Like when you're out of the body and you're just spirit, come back and show me. I go, do me a favor. If you can come back, I want you to come back and let me know if you, okay. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so, so many signs for my dad, but I'll tell you the most, I mean, I see him and like, it sounds crazy, but we have these little lizards that'll pop on the window and it's like Jurassic world here in central Florida. There's <laughs> one that's always on the window in the kitchen or the living room. And my niece, Nicole used to live in the house to help me with the parents. And she would say, yep, that's Poppy. And it wasn't like, he's not in the lizard. Yeah, But he would always be watching us in the kitchen and he'd be fascinated how I would just make a meal out of just stuff I'd grab out of the fridge, <laughs> you know? How do you know what to do? Like, I don't know, just use what we have. I'm not going to waste food. Yeah. Um, but the Christmas, he passed away November 21st, two days before my grandson was born. My uh, my youngest granddaughter couldn't come. She was about to give birth. But at Christmas time, we were sitting in the living room. It was the first Christmas without my dad. My mom and him were together for like 61 years. She's on one sofa by herself. I'm sitting over here by myself and a diagonally across from me is my brother, his wife and my niece, right? And we're in like two rooms away and there's a big open kitchen and dining room. And then the wall to their bathroom kind of is one of the interior walls in that room. So anyway, my father had this habit of like putting the toilet seat up and then dropping it. So you'd hear this slam, right? Mm. So we're opening presents. It's just us in the house. And all of a sudden we all hear the toilet seat drop. Oh, and everyone knew yeah, my my best girlfriend that lives in this area, she lives in Casadega, which is uh, a medium. It's a spiritualist camp. Mm. You can only live there if you're a medium or you're training to become a medium. This is the people come around for readings and, and classes. We, I had a reading after he died. She says, yeah, your dad, he's going to be there for Christmas. Like he wants you to know that, you know, just because he's not there in, in body, he will still be there. And when that happened, we were like, oh my God. <laughs> such a dad thing that of anything else he could have like touched our cheek or something no was yeah. it? because he always said he had a pee and we're like dad you just went i gotta go i know my body and i think a lot of it was a dementia but he would mm -hmm. argue with us so you know <laughs> that's the sign what a cheeky sod <laughs> yeah he was funny you would have liked him Mm. Oh, I love this. And I love the sharing of stories that we have around this sort of work that we've done across the years. Or, And I even know with Healy, like you and I have shared experiences of, of how we've helped people to move through particular things and the amazing outcomes that they've got. Like these tools we've got, I feel so blessed and grateful. Yeah, it's such an incredible tool. And like, I just saw a little snippet on, on Facebook today from somebody in the company. And it's just like, it doesn't replace, like, it's not artificial intelligence to replace the hum human consciousness. It's a tool to help you heal the cobwebs away of all the programming and conditioning from not just this life, but lifetimes mm -hmm. so that you step into the highest version that you are. That's exactly what the Healy is a tool for. And I've had mine for three years. I have five of them and I love them. It's like brought mm -hmm. so much clarity to my life. Yeah. And I love what you've just said. So listeners, if you're interested in Healy, rewind that last bit, because that is just pure gold that came out of your mouth then. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, I know that I use mine every day and I know I'll be tapping into your knowledge around combining astrology with the aura reading. That sounds completely fascinating. Um, what I'd love to ask you is one final question. And that is if you have, um, if people are interested in finding out more, say about the astrology work that you do or any of your esoteric knowledge, what advice would you have for them? Have an open mind, like be open. 
Um, what I see when I see people struggling now is them like being on the hamster wheel of doing this, you know, the same thing over and over again, getting the same result, which we all know is a definition of insanity. I mean, that phrase has been around for a really long time, yet they, it's like, there's too much ego in the way, right? To try something different. And it's really hard to witness people like slamming their head against the wall. You know, you just want to grab them and go, stop, yeah. and try something. Try something else and mm. be open to it working. Because if you're not getting the results that you want, and you know, there's been times that I don't get the results that I want, I can get in my own way. We can all get in our own way. Yeah. But I'm always willing to try something new. And when I can prove to myself that, oh, this did work, I am getting the results. Now I'm realizing it's more, it's really intention. It's like, you can't have your foot, one foot in and one foot out. You have to be fully committed, mm -hmm. right? And, and that does so much draw back to the very start of our conversation around intention, doesn't it? So powerfully. Yep. Intentionally commit to what it is you, where you want to go in life and you're going to do anything, you know, and I don't believe it's all action oriented. I mean, action is some of it, but it's the intention, you know, mm -hmm. and allowing that to come through spirit, however, it's going to land. Just like this discussion, we're like, let's just talk and see where this discussion goes. So being open to allowing it to come in, how it's meant to. And, and here's the other thing too, following the signs, like don't second guess yourself. This mm -hmm. is what my friend says all the time, the medium, she teach classes on mediumship and she's so good. And we would have to do readings for each other. So she'd lead us through a meditation first, right? She a guided meditation. Then we come out and she's like, okay, this is the exercise. You're going to sit across from each other and put you in groups of three or four and you have to read for each other. So I would have to read for you if there's two other people for each of you and just sit in front of you. And whatever came to me, even if it sounded crazy, I just have to say it, mm -hmm. right? And she would say, first thought, first impression. So the same thing in your own life. The first thought or first impression you get is usually spirit, your higher self trying to reach you, but you think it's nonsensical. It doesn't make rational sense. Yeah. But when I would do those readings, people would be like, oh my God, that was spot on. Yeah, wow. It doesn't make any sense to me, but like it would make sense to them. So I just learned to trust yourself. Mm -hmm. and trust your intuition. Yourself. That's like, yeah. you know, I'll be rushing out with the kids and I'll see the keys on the, on the, um, where I leave them. And I'll be like, I better grab those or I'll forget them. And then I keep going and I buzz around and I do all the things. And then I'm out in the front lawn and I'm like, damn, I forgot the keys. It's like, you should have listened to yourself when you were back there and you grabbed the keys as you went past. <laughs> It, yeah. Like, I love how you just spoke about it as in that first thought is the actual thing. <laughs> yeah. And you have to, the more you do it, the better you get. But I'll tell you just one quick story before we end it was like when my kids were in school, I think the youngest one was in nursery school. And my other daughter was in elementary school. I was cleaning the house and I was in my daughter's bedroom and had to go through this living room and through another doorway into the other part of the house. And as I was going, I saw a shoe in the middle of the floor. And I heard that voice say, you better pick the shoe up before somebody trips. And like you with the keys, I was in too much of a hurry. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I, I, I'm going to the other room. I'm getting what I'm getting. Go and do what I do. I come back to go the same way to go back into her bedroom oh, to no. clean. I tripped over that flipping shoe. Oh, no. But it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because it was so humbling. Mm. I dropped right to my knees and I went, oh, my God, goddess. I'm like, thank you because I heard you and I just chose to ignore you. So yeah. that from that moment forward. Even if I'm walking through the kitchen and I see like a coffee cup kind of teetering, like kind of near the edge. And I hear that better push it back before somebody knocks it over. I will back two steps if I have to, to move it. Yeah. Like I always, and when I do that, whether it's something small or something real big decision in my life, when I listen, it flows. Mm. When I choose not to listen and let the ego to come in, 
oh, it's a mess. So honestly, if I could save you any time, listen to your like spirit yourself. You feel it, you know it. Don't second guess yourself. And then do an experiment. Do it, do it for a month. Mm-hmm. I want to ask people to do it for one month and write down at the end of the day how things flowed when you listened. And then if you choose to like if you ignore it, be mindful and, and write down what happened. And I want you to compare because I guarantee you the days you followed that are going to be a lot. What smaller. a fantastic challenge. I love it. I get told to do some whacked out stuff. And usually every time I follow it, I do some fun things like, you know, driving yeah. down back streets that I've never driven down before. And I find really quaint little beautiful yoga studios. And I'm like, oh, get out of the car, check it out. You know, had I have not listened, I would never have driven down that little road. Exactly. So mm-hmm. gems always come out of that. Yeah, thank you so much. I absolutely love that wisdom you've passed on at the end there. We appreciate you and your time and coming onto the podcast today. Thank you, Dina. Thank you, love. Appreciate you. Bye. Bye.